My name is Jason Nelson. I'm your guest speaker for today. And um, Eric wanted me to say right away, though, that he wants you to pay attention to this card about the 830 service. There's a description on the back of the card, so read it and see if it fits you. He invited me to speak, though, back in August, and we had the weekend I was supposed to be here, we had that hurricane. So I just want you to know I've been praying for you. We also were affected up in the Woodlands area, and so it's been tough for all of us, but you've been in my thoughts and prayers um, for the last few months. Anyway, a little bit just about me and my story. I should tell you my story since this is the story, right? So I'm born and raised in Wisconsin. I'm a cheese head, although I've never actually worn a cheese hat on my head. You've got to draw the line somewhere. And then I moved to Texas in 2001, and when I got here, I started teaching and coaching and was a socialized department head in the Fort Bend County area. And then I fell in love with the United Methodist Church at Christ Church in Sugarland. Uh, Tom Pace was the pastor at the time. Yes, he's a great guy. And then I joined the staff in 2007 and began working at the church full time and then moved to the Woodlands and served at the, at the Woodlands United Methodist Church from 2013 until April. And so now this is the part of my story where I'm just going to be real and vulnerable and let you into who I am a little bit before we begin. Last December, I actually asked and received a medical leave. And there's a couple reasons why I'm currently on medical leave. One is that I've always wrestled with depression. And I've had it most of my adult life as far as back I can remember. And I've been to therapy and I take medicine and things like that. Even last December and into January, I missed Christmas and New Year's with my family so I could go away to Florida at a mental health facility. I spent 40 days and 40 nights there. Why 40? Because it worked for Jesus in the wilderness and Elijah. So I thought it was good enough for them, it was good enough for me. So I went there and I learned a lot about how to deal with my mental illness and how to, to live with it. I've tried like crazy to pray it away, but it's still a thorn in my side that God has not taken away. So I'm on medical leave to deal with that. I'm also on medical leave to deal with the effects of being recently divorced, which was devastating. And there's a stigma, unfortunately, that's tied to it, especially as a pastor. So the church has said I needed some time to heal. And it's been good. And actually, I'm going to go and, and serve as a lead pastor in January up in the Tomball area. But I tell you all that to tell you up front that I am not defined by my situation or my circumstances. Nor am I a product of divorce, depression, or some other mental health. I am at the core a child of God. And I am loved unconditionally by God, no matter what. And so are you. You're loved. I love you. Now, some of you are thinking, but Jason, you don't even know me. How can you say that? Well, you're a child of God, and I'm a child of God. We're brothers and sisters, all part of one big family, the family of God, and so I love you. Now, hopefully I'm not the first person to tell you this today. Am I? Well, let's, let's just fix that. Look at your neighbor and say, I love you. Oh, that's convincing. Wow, there's a lot of love in this room. Come on, people. Some of you are like, I got nobody next to me. What am I supposed to do? Now, hopefully, like I said, I'm not the first person to tell you that, and I pray I'm not the last. I love you is a powerful phrase, right? I love you is a phrase that ought to be, if it's not already, a regular part of our daily vocabulary. We can never say or hear these words too much. I love you, three little words. Three little words that have the unique ability to lift us up when we're down. I love you. One phrase that has the power, potential to ignite our hearts on fire and pick us up when we're having a bad 
day or a bad week or a bad year. Now, I learned the power of this phrase as a young child because I was blessed to have two parents who went all out of their way to tell me how much they loved me, to look at me and say, Jason, I love you. And because they did that, because they told me how much they loved me, I was able to go out into this cold, harsh, unloving world with a sense of confidence and purpose and identity. And even now, even today at age 40, I still long, I still desire, I still want to hear my mom and dad say, Jason, I love you. Which I do. And I'm instantly encouraged. It's also very encouraging to hear this phrase from other people in our lives, is it not? My youngest brother is really good at this. He will randomly text me, and, and he did this uh, this past week at 11.28 p.m. He texted me. He said, brother, I love you. It totally made my day, made my evening. Why? Because I love you is a powerful phrase that is one of the most encouraging phrases we will ever see, which means, or hear, which means we should see or hear this phrase as often as possible. Now, as a father, I make sure that I tell my four kids how much I love them. They're actually here today. They sat in the front row, and they kind of behaved the first service, and now they're in the backstage listening to my voice, hopefully, and behaving as well. Uh, but Hannah is my oldest. She's 13, and then Madeline is 11, and then I have nine-year-old twins, Olivia and Brooks, boy-girl twins. And the girls have me wrapped around their little finger, and Brooks is just my class A knucklehead. Let me just tell you a quick little story about these pastor kids. So we were out at Olive Garden a while back for lunch. And it doesn't matter where we are. My son orders chicken fingers and french fries. So we're at the, the Olive Garden. You order Italian food. And so we all order Italian food except Brooks. He got chicken fingers and french fries. Well, they bring the food out. And there's a whole plate full of french fries that look really good. And so my oldest, Hannah, says, Brooks, can I have one of your french fries? He looked at her and said, nope. And so I just was watching this all unfold, and she said, Brooks, come on, man. You got a plate full of French fries. Give me one fry. He said, nope. So then I intervened. I said, Brooks, come on. Give your sister one French fry. What would Jesus do? Man, that boy looked at me and said, he'd make more French fries. <laughs> I'm like, of course he would. What was I thinking? Man, I should have known better. But I love them. And I might not know a lot about a lot of things, but I do know this. My children need to know their loved. They need to hear from me, I love you. I have this practice that I do. In addition to telling them how much I love them, I often take a post-it note and a purple Sharpie, and then I write them a little message. And this is what I do. I say, I love you, past the stars and back. And then I post it on their bathroom mirror or on their dresser drawer or on their bedroom door so they can see that randomly and think, Man, I am loved by my father. I guess this is my way of telling my children, I love you so much. My love for you is so great. I love you more than you can imagine. See, I don't want to let one day go by without my children hearing the words, I love you. I want them to hear me say that, and I want them to see it in writing. In addition to making sure they know how much I love them, it's important to me to make sure they know how much Jesus loves them. One of the most profound and simplest songs of all time is Jesus Loves Me. You know the song? Jesus Loves Me, This I Know For The Tells Me So. It's great. And so my children know how much Jesus loves them. We sang that song and we continue to sing that song, even though it's a child's song. Uh, I love it as an adult. Because it's important to me that they know that they're loved by, by God as well as their father. 
It's important for every child to know that they are loved by us and also by Jesus. I love you should be a phrase that every child around the world should hear multiple times throughout the day. And Jesus loves me ought. It ought to be a phrase that every single child can say because it's true and it's powerful and it's life-giving. And this is the impact of love. See, children need love. For them, it's vitae essentia. It's the essence of life. That's my Latin for today. It's the essence of life. When children know their love, they become more loving. Children who are loved overflow with love into the lives of others. This is the impact of love. And listen to this part. This impact of love doesn't change with age. It doesn't change with age. Children of all ages need to know that they are loved. Children of all ages, 2, 6, 8, 9, 11, 13, 15, 26, 40, 55, 63, 71, 92. Children of all ages need to know that they are loved. Now, in my mind, no one understands this better than Paul of the Bible. We can see this from his letter to the Romans. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Romans chapter 8. Listen to what Paul says about the love of God in Jesus Christ, starting at verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardships or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us, separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, we can tell by reading this that Paul seems to understand that these Christians in Rome, they're new Christians, Christianity just started in the first century, that these Christians in Rome need to know or be reminded that they're loved. Paul knows that these Christians are children of God. And as children of God, especially in the midst of suffering, they need to be reminded or know for the first time that their heavenly Father loves them. See, the world that these Christians were living in was cruel and dangerous. At the time that Paul wrote this letter that we just read, the Christians were experiencing persecution and suffering in extreme cases. Did you catch all that they were experiencing in verse 35? Did you notice the pain that they were enduring? Trouble, hardship, famine, nakedness, persecution, danger, and the sword. At the time that this letter was written, Nero was emperor of Rome. Have you heard of him? One of the most ruthless, diabolical leaders in all of history. The man hated the Christians. He despised them. Even his own historians accurately wrote about what Nero did to the Christians. Listen to what the historian Tacitus said in A.D. 44. Mockery of every sort was added to their deaths, the Christians' deaths. Covered with the skins of beasts, they, the Christians, were torn by dogs and perished. Or were nailed to crosses, or were doomed to flames. These people served to illuminate the night's sky when daylight failed. Nero used our ancient day brothers and sisters in the faith as human lanterns to light up his city. And these Christians at the time were experiencing insane amount of pain. They were emotionally and spiritually distressed. 
They were psychologically depressed, and they were physically oppressed or worse. Even though they had the light and life of Christ in their lives, their lives were filled with pain and suffering, sorrow, and despair. Their world was a cruel, harsh, and unloving place. Unfortunately, at times, our world is really not that different, is it? It's still a cruel, harsh, and unloving place, especially to Christians around the world. Today, Christians are still persecuted. Christians are still captured, still mocked, still ridiculed, still tortured, and still killed because of their unabashedly courageous faith in Jesus Christ. Well, these Christians around the world, our brothers and sisters around the world, they need to be reminded or learn for the first time that they're loved by God and by us. And then there are Christians all around the world who are suffering, not necessarily as a result of persecution, but simply as a result of living in a world that's tainted by sin. There are people in our lives, and even in this room, who are experiencing heartache and hardships. There are people we know, maybe you're one of them. There are people we know that are emotionally and spiritually distressed, psychologically depressed, and physically oppressed, or worse. Well, these people, we need to be reminded that we are loved by God and by others. We need to know that we are loved. So what do we say to each other in this situation? What do we say to each other when we find ourselves in the midst of sorrow and despair? What do we cling to when we find ourselves overwhelmed by grief? What do we hold on to when we come face to face with sickness and death? These are good questions. And I would guess that these are the same types of questions that the Christians in Rome were asking themselves because their lives were insanely painful and seemingly out of control. They were living in a cruel, harsh, and unloving world. Now, Paul sees their pain. And the man understands pain if you followed his life. The man suffered a lot for Jesus. He sees the pain of these children of God in Rome, and he responds to it. And he knows exactly what to say because he knows exactly what they need. They need to know that God loves them. So he says, hey, God loves you. And then he goes on to explain just how much God loves them. And what an explanation of love when you think about it. What an explanation of love this is. What Paul gives the Romans here is nothing short of supernatural. Paul gives them a beautifully written, masterfully woven, amazingly articulate description of God's love. God, using the Apostle Paul, tells God's children in Rome what we tell our children. I love you so much. My love for you is so great. I love you more than you can imagine. God, using the Apostle Paul, describes how great the love of God is. And how great is the love of God? Let's just take a moment because I see some of you are taking copious notes and break it down. Let's break it down for a little bit. First, Paul says God's love is greater than life or death. Which means that there's nothing in the physical world, no heartache, no hardship, no disease, no death, not any amount of fear or persecution, no depression or anxiety could ever stop the love of God. And then he says God's love is greater than angels or demons. So not only is God's love greater than anything in the physical world, God's love is greater than anything in the spiritual world. Nothing in the spiritual world could blockade the love of God. Then Paul says God's love is greater than the past, present, or future. So God's love never ends. It never ceases. It will never stop. It has no beginning and no end. It goes on and on and on. 
And he's not done. Paul says God's love is greater than any powers, which means no general, no government, no king, queen, monarch of any kind, and certainly no diabolical dictator like Nero could ever do anything in their power from preventing the love of God from being, being completely unleashed upon every child of God. Paul says God's love can't be contained by it has no height, no depth, so it has no top, and it has no bottom. And this is part that's interesting because Paul is brilliant, and he's filled with the Holy Spirit. When he says that neither height nor depth can separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ, he's strategically using Greek astrological language to describe the love of God in a way that says that God's love reaches beyond the heavens. And then finally, Paul says... God's love is greater than anything else in creation. So there's nothing that exists in this universe, or if you're a multiple theorist universe person, that nothing exists in this universe or any other universe that is greater or stronger than the love of God. Wow. That's a great love. What a love. It's amazing. I don't know about you, but every time I read the words that we read today from Paul, I get goosebumps. To me, it's like God took the Apostle Paul and then grabbed a post-it note and a purple Sharpie and wrote a love note to God's people. We could tell by reading these words that the love of God really is unbelievable. It really is inconceivable. It really is indescribable. And even though Paul did his very best to describe the love of God, and he, man did a great job, even though he did his very best, the truth is the love of God is simply indescribable. God's love for his people in Rome at this time was so great. And the good news for us today is that God loves us the same. With this same love. Not a different love. Not a lesser love. The same love. God loves us with this same love. But because we live in a cold, harsh, and unloving world, we sometimes forget how much we are loved. Sometimes we, are, we forget how much we're loved because we're so consumed by our pain or overwhelmed by our grief or, or just in a state of despair. And in those moments, we just are blocked out we, uh, from the reality that God loves us. So in those moments when we don't feel the love of God, it's important for us to focus on what we know and not on what we feel. We must focus on what we know and not on what we feel. And what do we know? Well, we, we know several things by faith. What we know by faith is that we are children of God. What we know by faith is that because we're children of God, we are loved unconditionally by God. We are loved more than we can imagine. And what we know by faith is that no matter who we are, no matter what we've done, no matter where we've been, no matter what comes our way or what we're experiencing, nothing can separate us from the love of God that's in Jesus Christ. Did you catch that? Paul says Nothing. He says, nothing, you are a child of God and nothing, no thing can separate you from the love of God that's in Jesus Christ. God's love for you goes beyond the physical world. It transcends the spiritual realm. It's not bound by time or by space or by matter. It can't be controlled nor contained nor limited nor manipulated by anything or anyone. God's love has unlimited depth. And it has no ceiling. It penetrates the innermost parts of every atomic nucleus in existence. And it reaches to the ends of the universe. God's love for you goes to infinity and beyond. God loves you past the stars and back. 
If there's ever a moment you forget this reality, if there's ever a time when you doubt this truth, if there ever is a season in your life where you're just skeptical because you've got it all figured out and you just can't believe that God can love someone like you, what do you do? In those moments, you take a post-it note and a purple Sharpie or whatever color makes you happy, and you write, Jesus loves me, or you write down some of the verses that we read today from Paul and then post it on your bathroom mirror, on your dresser drawer, on your bedroom door, so that in those moments when you don't feel the love of God, you can see just how much you are loved. Better yet, memorize it. What? Yeah. Try memorizing these. So when you're in a state of despair and your mind is just consumed with grief, you overwhelm your mind with the truth that's in Jesus Christ, that you are loved. You are divinely loved. You are royally loved. You are a child of God, a son or daughter of the king. So go and live for the king and let his love fill you, fuel you, and flow through you. So when other people look at you, they say, hey, there's a God because he's full of love or she's full of love. There's a God, and that God is love. Jesus loves you. This we know, for the Bible tells us so. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this time we can gather in your name. We thank you for your unconditional love. Just please remind everyone through the power of the Holy Spirit today that it doesn't matter who we are, where we've been, what we've done, what we're going through. You love us where we are. You love us unconditionally. We are your children. Speak clearly into our lives right now the words, I love you. Let us hear those words from your mouth today. And let us then go out confidently and live in that love. We pray all this in the name of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.